Welcome everyone to the Elevating Your Potential podcast, where we're like middle school and high school student athletes about the realities of college sports. And we have a great guest on today. I've been excited about this one for a couple of weeks. Um, so before we get into um, asking her questions about her story, here's her little bio. Um, see, Vanessa is a former Division I soccer player from Kingwood, Texas. She was named first team All-District three times, honorable mention All-State once, and a three-time academic All-District selection at Kingwood Park High School. She also played club soccer for um, the Challenge SC um, Club, and she was also named captain to that team. After high school, Vanessa took her challenge to SMU, where she was named to the all-rookie, uh, all-conference team in 2015, first team all-conference 2016, and a conference all-tournament team in 2017. Um, and she was also selected to the preseason all-conference team in 2017. Um, Vanessa graduated from SMU with her bachelor's in sport management um, with a specific, we kind of graduated with the same degree, sport performance and leadership. It's a great program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she received her master's in liberal studies. Um, after receiving her degree, she signed a pro contract to play in Israel and now runs a private soccer club called BTEC um, in, um, for her private soccer business. So we're going to get into all these things that you've um, been able to accomplish. So Vanessa, thank you so much for being a part um, and joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. I'm excited. I'm excited. So um, just to get started off, how were you actually introduced to sports? Um, so I was introduced to sports by my parents. Mm -hmm. And um, I started at a very young age. I started playing soccer at five. Okay, wow. Yeah, so it's funny because my birthday is actually next month and it's going to be 20 years of playing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. But, um, yeah, so when I first started playing soccer, my parents started me out in the Y, the YMCA. Mm -hmm. I feel like most kids start there. And then eventually I grew out of that. And then eventually I played for a little league called Texas Heat Wave. Okay. Um, I think it's only, I'm not sure if it's like a Texas thing mm -hmm. or if it's just like here in Kingwood where I live. But um, so then eventually um, I got to the age, I think it's maybe 15. 14, 15, where you can, you qualify to play co-ed. Mm -hmm. And so I started playing with boys and um, eventually um, in eighth grade, I started playing competitive soccer for Challenge Soccer Club. So it was a little process. Wow. Okay. So fun fact, actually my first sport I actually played was soccer as well. Oh, really? Uh, yes. I only played one year. I mean, I was I was okay, but yeah. <laughs> it was not for me. Um, and then you said you played co-ed. What was that experience like? Do you think that helped you with your um, journey at all? Uh, yeah, I think it did. I think it helped me um, get rid of my fear of, like, playing against other people because, I mean, obviously boys are a lot more aggressive. <laughs> and so I think um, it definitely helped me um grow as a player gosh and so soccer is the only sport that you've ever played uh so no i in uh middle school i started playing a bunch of different sports just to because of like the season that it was and so eventually i just stuck with soccer but in middle school you could play volleyball basketball you can run track 
And so I did all of that stuff. And eventually, when I started playing competitive soccer in eighth grade, I didn't have time for all mm -hmm. the other sports. So I like just stuck with soccer. And then eventually it was just soccer in high school as well. Got you. And so what's your second? I know soccer is probably your favorite sport. What's right after soccer for you? Um, I would say probably I really like basketball. Mm, I do too. I like uh, I, I, yeah, I was actually not bad at basketball. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that was probably my second favorite sport. Got you. Got you. Mm -hmm. And so help me. So I did, I can say I only played one year. So mm -hmm. to a casual fan out there, someone who doesn't watch soccer often, help us understand what makes soccer so unique and why maybe it's so special um, to you. Um, I think it's just the passion that uh, players have for the game because you see, like, if you if you've never really watched soccer and you watch a soccer game, there people are just like. Oh, like, what's the point of soccer? They just kick in and net. They go back and forth. And, like, other people say the same thing about football. Like, oh, what's the point of football? They just run around. They stop every time. Right. And, and then, like, they just kick it in, right. in the field goal or, like, pass a line. So I feel like people have their opinions about all different sports as to why, like, they have these rules and, like, what's the point of it? But um, soccer is very intense. It's really physical. People don't think that you get a lot of injuries from soccer, but you do. And it's just, like, really passionate. And you can see, like, the passion on, especially if you watch, like, professional players play, just, like, the passion when they score a goal or when a keeper saves a, um, a shot or something. It's just, like, you can see the passion that they have, and it's just, like, really exciting and it's just like for me because I've played so long that just like pumps me up because I'm like I want to like have that passion like right just like like during the game and have that intensity as well so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> wow and I actually agree because there is a lot of passion involved like I think it's one of the best parts of soccer is after someone scores a goal and like the yeah. celebrations I think that's like one of the that is amazing to me yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just funny, like, when players score, just, like, all the different celebrations, they all have, like, their different meanings, whether it comes from, like, their family or whether it comes with, from, like, something that's going on, like, around the world, and it's, like, cool to see how, like, players are able to, like, use their celebrations to, like, get a, a meaning out to the world, that are the people that are watching. Oh, so these aren't just typical celebrations like these are well thought out like it's usually they have yeah. a message behind it some some of them do okay. some of them are just they're just funny they just want to like entertain the fans obviously but some of them actually do have like meaningful messages behind them mm -hmm. and so one more soccer question about like the rules so i've always <laughs> wondered why is there additional time added to the end of the game <laughs> so the i've never understood <laughs> So, say there's, like, an injury in the middle of the game, then um, that's, like, taking away from the 90 minutes that are played in the actual game. So then um, the referee will add on the, those extra minutes to the end of the game. So some, in high school, 
soccer and college soccer there isn't really extra time because of like they have like the scoreboard with the actual time on it i've noticed when i played in college but um and professional soccer they have extra time so that they those players can get like the extra minutes added on in case there's an injury or something like that so so like it doesn't because you know like in football if someone gets injured like the clock stops Uh so that's why i'm kind of like how come the clock just doesn't stop when yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah. The ref, they usually keep. They're pretty good at keeping track yeah, of the minutes and stuff. They have like the sideline referees, and they have the middle ref, the main referee, and then they have one on the side that like holds up the sign when the numbers when the their substitutions made. Mm-hmm. So like all of them have like watches on. They're all keeping track of the extra time that needs to be added on the end. Well, thank you for enlightening me on that. I've always yeah. wondered why so, there's extra, like why it doesn't stop. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, when did you um, discover that you were pretty good in volleyball and that you could like make the next step and play collegially and eventually uh-huh. professionally? Um, so my dad started playing soccer when he was pretty young. He was raised in Spain. And so obviously soccer is like the main sport over there. And so, um, like I said earlier, the I started playing uh, competitive soccer in eighth grade. And so it was just like, um, it was just playing the other sports. They just didn't, I loved playing all of them, but soccer was just like the main one that I like wanted to stick with and play and that I, um, I could like be successful in. Right. And so, and I, I would say like, I'm, I'm pretty fast. Yep. <laughs> so, so I like really like to take on players and make runs and sometimes sneak up behind defenders and take mm-hmm. the ball away from them. And so I just like the whole playing soccer thing is just, I love it. So, yeah. Was there a moment for you, like when you were playing or like in practice, where you're like, "Oh, I'm actually," I, I don't want you to. I know you're you're humble, but uh-huh, was there a yeah. moment for you when when it happened? Like, oh, I'm actually one of the better players on the team, or did it just were you just always naturally one of those top tier athletes? Um, I think obviously I had to work for it. I right. had to work to get up. I had to work to get into shape. I had to work to work my butt off, especially, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, my injuries that I had. Um, just, I had to work 10 times hard, harder than my teammates because I I was, I would say I have a little accident prone, I'm a little injury prone. So um, just uh, working 10 times harder, just like that success that I had at the end just makes it sweeter. Right, for sure. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about the student side of you being a student athlete. Mm-hmm. What type of student were you growing up, like in middle school and in high school? Um, I actually wasn't a very good student. Okay. <laughs> we love transparency on the podcast. So that... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I I got good grades. I got A's and B's, a couple C's here and there. But my parents, I owe it to my parents. Um, for getting me through education through those the younger years in middle school and high school because I was mainly focused on sports I was mainly focused on soccer and 
um, they were always on my butt about school, which like I owe it to them yeah. <laughs> uh, because I'm really glad they did, even though at the time I was just like, oh my God, like leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But um, they helped me get through school and I appreciate everything that they've done to get me to where I am today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what would you tell a student athlete? Because I was the same way. I just wanted to do my work so I could go ahead and go to practice. So yeah. I, what would you tell a student athlete who might be thinking like those things? Like what helped you ultimately? I know you said your parents, but are there any like strategies or tips that you can give them to help them like move forward and get past just thinking about like going to their sport and making sure they take care of the academics? Yeah, well, I think the main thing is that I think when in high school soccer and then going into collegiate soccer, that if you don't pass your classes, you don't play. Mm. So, I mean, I feel like that's like one of the main things that an athlete should have in the back of their mind, because if they don't pass, they don't play. Right. So um, that my parents also helped me. And I think um, the coaches and all the academic advisors that help in college, like also help to keep you on track as right. well. So. Yeah, that's good. I think they can give up. Yes, those advisors, a lot of times we have like resources available to us and we don't yeah. use them. Yeah. And so, yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, so I don't know a lot about club soccer. So tell me kind of what that scene was like. Um, like How did you get started in club soccer and what, um, and why did you ultimately start doing club soccer? Okay, so... Um... So like I said earlier, I started high school or club soccer in eighth grade. My, um, at the time, well now, club soccer is actually very expensive. Mm -hmm. And so um, my parents couldn't afford to put me into a competitive club. And so uh, we had been thinking about it for a while and then eventually um, my dad put me into competitive soccer. And so, um, it was, it was a little rough to begin with because those girls that were on the team that I eventually made, I made the second team to start off with when I first started playing there. Um, those girls had been playing together for a while. And so it's hard to obviously come into a new team. You don't know anybody and like, you don't know, like you're just coming from uh, playing co-ed with some boys that don't really know how to play soccer <laughs> and so it's like it's like kind of intimidating to show up and these girls have been they're like oh they're playing competitive soccer like they're probably really good mm -hmm. and so you just don't know it's like a completely new environment and so um I played on that second team for a couple years and eventually I did really well and um I had one of the coaches that recruited me to play competitive soccer. He uh, would tell me every year when we had tryouts, I'm going to move you up to the first team. I'm going to move you up to the first team. And it never happened. And so I was getting kind of frustrated. My parents were getting kind of frustrated because, like, honestly, playing for the second team against the other girls in the same, like, division, same bracket that we were, that we were in it was just too easy i wasn't getting any better i was just playing against these girls that weren't very good and mm -hmm. so it wasn't competitive for me anymore mm -hmm. and so eventually they created a new league called ecnl okay um, i think it was maybe a year or two it was no it was maybe like 
two or three years after I had started playing competitive soccer. And it's called the Elite Clubs National League. So that was like the very first time that they had created that league. And supposedly it's for like the top players in, um, in that area. And so they eventually, they had tryouts and I made the ECNL team. And so I completely skipped over the first team and went to the top team that they had just created. I did like well in in the tryouts and everything. And so, and so I had a feeling that some of the girls on the first team, they, they didn't really like like that because I had just like gone I had just started playing for challenge and right. all of a sudden I'm like on the top team and like skipped over every everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so um eventually um there was so like throughout the years throughout the year of like the season there's tournaments that are called showcases. And so these showcases, they have them in San Diego and Florida. And so the team would travel to that location and there would be teams, other teams in that ECNL league and those teams that would travel and they would play in front of college coaches. And so that's like basically how you started to get recruited by college teams. So how old were you when when this uh, process was going on? Uh, this was probably maybe like 16, 17. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we would go to those showcases and I, I think it was either San Diego one or the Florida one. I did really well in, and, um, I think it was maybe on the weekend, the next week when we had practice. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my club coaches came up to me and said, hey, like there's a school called SMU that's interested in you. And so I was like, SMU? Like I've never heard of this school. Like I don't know where it is. <laughs> and I thought it was like a brand new school. Right. And it like turns out SMU has been around for a long time. And so um, I like got really excited and everything. And so then um, junior year, hit high school or junior year of high school hit and um I had gone to my on my unofficial visit I had visited the campus I had talked to the advisors the coaches and um I saw a game on my visits and I just like immediately fell in love with the campus and just like I immediately fell in, like all the people that were there to like help me it was just amazing how many resources and, and how many people were there to help you. And so um, I think, I'm not sure how long after uh, it was, but I eventually like made my decision to commit to SMU. And um, it was uh, September of my junior year. Gotcha. And that was the first one on my team to commit, on my club team. Wow. School. So yeah, it was awesome. It was really exciting. and. Um, I was, it's just like everything kind of just clicked and I had gone, I had gone to visit a couple other schools. I visited Texas state. I visited Sam Houston because I wanted to stay in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at schools that were pretty close to home. And so Dallas is, it's a little ways. It's like three and a half hours from here, but Mm -hmm. it's not too close, not too far. Right. Oh man, that's good. You gave us a lot of great information there. So we're going to stick a pin at SMU 
I want to ask you a couple more questions. We'll come right back to it. We'll come right back. Um, so, Vanessa, do you think that it is um, essential and that you have to play club, club soccer in order to get recruited to go to not even Division One, but any level of sports? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely is because that's um, – it's, it's pretty rare for college coaches and, like, like the good college colleges, like the the main ones, the division ones to come out and watch players at a high school game because high school isn't really, it's not very competitive unless you're like a really good school. But um, I think it's really essential for women and boys to play club soccer because that's, you go to these tournaments where the coaches, the coaches, that the coaches know about. And so they're all going to go to that tournament to like watch players. So mm -hmm. in every sport like volleyball, basketball and soccer that have club is so it's interesting to me because of football, you basically only go through most of the recruitment goes through your high school. And so yeah. to hear that high school sports is as competitive as it is in club is mm -hmm. a different world to me. So mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so your recruitment, you talked about it a little bit. So you mm -hmm. say you visited schools like Sam Houston, Texas State. How many scholarships did you have? I got a few. Um, I got a couple. I got one from Texas State, one from um, Sam Houston. I got one from Houston Baptist. And then I got, it, got one from SMU. Mm -hmm. And I think it came down to um, HBU and SMU because HBU, like, I really liked the campus and they offered me, like, a, a pretty good scholarship to play. Mm -hmm. And SMU offered a pretty good scholarship for me to play, but it came down to which one would get my name out there the most which one is the most well-known school and smu is really the better choice right exactly <laughs> i know what you mean and so, <laughs> and, <laughs> so yeah so, so you weren't um offered a full completely full scholarship to either school uh -uh. so what no. how was that um process because like it's like football everything division one is um, if you're offered a scholarship, it's full. So what was that experience like for you knowing that? I don't know what percentage you had, but how was that um, trying to piece together? Like, okay, over here I might have 50, I might have $25,000 at SMU, but that's, mm -hmm. all, that's not even half of the tuition. And over here I have 50% tuition and then like the book, room and board and different things like that. So how did, what was that process like for you? Yeah, so... Um... So when we were thinking about HBU, they, I'll just go ahead and tell you the percentages, but okay. <laughs> at HBU, they offered me 80% uh, scholarship. So it wasn't full, but it was a pretty good amount since it's also private school. And um, then at SMU, they offered me 65% to start off with. And so um, when we were comparing both, we were thinking about basically like 80% at HBU is pretty much the same at the same, pretty much the same 65% at SMU because uh, HBU isn't as expensive as SMU. 
So we kind of like looked at that. And so we eventually just came to the decision that, like I said earlier, that SMU was probably the better way to go because it's more well known. And so we were just like comparing uh, like the percentages. And so we eventually came to that decision. And honestly, I liked SMU better than HBU. So <laughs> obviously part of the yes. decision. Wow. Okay. So that is very enlightening. I think a lot of student athletes can learn from that, that you kind of, you had like a priority list for you, like you liked it, you, mm -hmm. the exposure that you would have, and really you said the numbers were comparable in terms of like the percentage and amount of money. Mm -hmm. So like, why not go over here? I like it more and it's more exposure. So why not come over here? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of student athletes make decisions based on strictly liking the sport or maybe mm -hmm. even a coach instead of putting those other things in priority. So I think that that's a, a great process that you all had um, in choosing yeah. your school. Mm -hmm. um, so now let's go to SMU. Okay. You're at SMU now. Mm -hmm. And what was the biggest thing that surprised you once you came onto campus at SMU? Um, this is everything, not just sports, but everything. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go to the education side okay. because I think the amount of resources that athletes have at SMU is crazy. They're just like coaches, advisors, there's psychologists, there's trainers, there's just like every everyone. There's like the equipment managers, like there's everyone. There's so many people that like play a part in like you being an athlete at a, a college. So it's just like a lot of, like we said earlier that a lot of people, a lot of athletes don't utilize the, the resources that they have. And then when they realize that they actually had someone to talk to or had found out, they found out about this person, it's too late. And so I think that was the main thing that surprised me. And that was one of the things that um, I loved about SMU and why it, why I chose to go there. That's good. Did, were there any specific challenges? So we'll go to your injuries later, but the, were there any challenges that you had to overcome outside of the injuries? Um, maybe like your first year when you were a freshman that you had to kind of um, like get in the balance and figure out like your own schedule and be independent? Yeah, so it was definitely freshman year was probably the hardest year because I – it was my first time, like, basically going to live on my own. And my parents weren't there to, like, help me with homework and whatnot. And just, like, I think it was definitely a challenge because I had to leave, like, all my friends here and go play soccer. I had to leave early for summer school and, uh, um, and leave for, for um, off-season or for preseason camp. And so um, – I think just like, just the, uh, trying to get used to the environment and just like school and soccer and traveling and everything, it's, mm -hmm. it's tough. Yes. I didn't realize how strenuous the travel was myself <clears throat> until we started. I'm like, okay, we're leaving the day before to go yeah. to Florida. I'm uh -huh. used to driving the same day an hour yeah. to go to school, to go play at exactly. school. Yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest thing, I think the hardest thing for me was when we would travel 
and go to like a different state for games, especially if it was like we had to leave for like a week, a week or something. We had like two games in a week or something like that. And just like it was hard because maybe that week your teammate doesn't have homework and you just and you do and you want you like see them they're just like chilling on the on the bed <laughs> watching tv and then i'm over here like i have like a bunch of assignments too like i just want to lay in bed and watch tv too yeah. <laughs> and so i think i think that was like one of the harder things for me when we were traveling was just like balancing homework with like you gotta you gotta choose it's obviously it's homework first but it's hard to see your teammates just chilling over there on the couch or on the bed watching tv because you want to just do that too yes i'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's my next question for academically like uh -huh. that shit we talked about your academics a little bit earlier so how did you ultimately i mean you have a master's now so you did pretty well so how yeah. did you shift to that independent thinking um as academically um, I think just maturity wise, I just got, I just figured out what was more important. Like I needed to get my work done. I needed to, if I got my work done, then I could go and lay in bed and watch TV. So I think just as ex uh, like, you just have more experience and you get used to all the traveling and, and I think as you do it more and more, you do it every year for four years, you right. just get you just get used to, all right, it's school first, and then you can relax and do all that other stuff, so. Yes, you said something very profound in that it was, you figure out what's most important. Mm -hmm. like you you thought, you realized that doing this work is the most important thing to give me ultimately where I want to be. And so that, yeah. that's, that's super, super important. Mm -hmm. um, so now, going into your freshman year, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken, you did have, unfortunately, a season-ending injury your freshman year. Yeah. So walk me through um, your mentality. Because, I mean, going your freshman year is a very big year because you want to go in there. You want to show your teammates that you're as good as you were advertised and that you belong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have an injury. So what was that um, experience like for you? Um, it was tough because I um, – so – so yeah, my first injury was pretty tough because I um, I had heard of other athletes tearing their ACLs, but I was just like, eh, I don't think that's ever gonna happen to me. And so then my third game into uh, my freshman year, my first year, um, I was dribbling and I touched it too far and I ran into the goal. I was on the ground a little bit and like I had ran into goalkeepers like plenty of times before and and I was just like, ah, it's just like a little, it just like hurts some, but like I'm sure I'll be fine. Like I'll get over it and I'll just like walk it off some and then I'll be fine. And so um, then the trainers came and they did the little like knee test on me. I'm not sure what the name of it is called, but I just call it the, the knee test. And um, they like helped me off the field and they ended up putting an ice bag on top of my knee and on the bottom. And I didn't go back in after that. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's just like an, it's just like a little injury. Like I'll, be fine in a couple days so it's just like some a little bruise and that's it 
And so um, I ended up going to get an MRI and I got the results back in a couple days and they had told me that I had torn my ACL. And so I had, I broke down like right there in front of the doctor. Mm -hmm. And because it was like, it was tough news to hear. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was tough because I like had never expected to tear my ACL, especially three games into my collegiate freshman year. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and apparently you did well because I mean, you played as a freshman and playing as a freshman is not easy to do. Yeah. I, yeah. I ended up starting the three games that I played in and, and I was killing it. I was doing really well. So I was like, right. all right, like freshman it's gonna be good and then I ended up getting hurt and so I honestly have to say like I was actually very positive throughout the the whole process um I was like yeah it's gonna take six months like that's such a long time but I mean I I stayed pretty positive through it and I came back even stronger so. wow so how were you able to stay positive like what, what um, thoughts you were thinking about um, I think it's just like, for me, just like, I'm overall a pretty positive person. And so I think like that had a lot to do with it. And, and just like when I came back and just like watching my teammates, like they were practicing and I was on the sideline doing this and stuff. So it was, it was hard to like see that they were progressing and getting better. And then, I mean, I was getting better and progressing in my own way and it was, it was tough, but I eventually got through it, so. That's good, and you sure did, because the next year, you actually made the all-rookie team for the conference. And so how did, yeah. that, how did that feel for you, not only to come back and start, but to be named to the all-rookie team um, that very next year after turning your ACL? Um, it was awesome. It was a really awesome feeling to be on that team because I like feel like all my hard work paid off and um and I think my positivity had a lot to do with it and then like the support from my teammates and my coaches and the trainers helping me and I think that all that had like a a really big part of like my return back onto the field and I just had like this hunger and this desire to like I just want to like be better and score and um, that I just had this drive to, to just score goals. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like a, that. It's just like a, a hard feeling to describe. Just when you haven't been playing for so long, it's just you feel like rejuvenated. Like you've like started back from the beginning. You started over, and you're just like ready to play again. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that a lot of people that have like season in the injuries, like they have a better appreciation for the sport. Um, exactly. after that because like man I don't I haven't had a chance to play in like you said six months uh -huh. um, yeah that's really good and so you have an all rookie you make the all rookie team and the next mm -hmm. year you make the all conference team so how did that feel to make another shot and have another accolade under your belt another accolade yes to have another um, accolade under your belt um it's it's just like a good feel. It's just like great a great feeling. Just going back on what I said before, that it just feels like that my work, my hard work, has paid off, and just 
I had to work 10 times as hard as my teammates to get into shape and to get my touch back on the ball. And so it's just like a really rewarding feeling to come back and be on those, on those teams. Yes. And then unfortunately, I believe your, this is your fourth year on campus. Mm-hmm. Did you, you had another tough injury after being to the all conference team? Uh-huh. So yeah, this is, so this, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so this is the second time since you've been in school that this has happened. So yes. I can only imagine, like, the first time is one thing, but, like, to have, for it to happen again, what type of mental and physical toll did that take on you? So this one, um, I wasn't so positive during this one, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'll explain to you, like, what – happened so we were playing uh, our first conference game away in memphis and um we were playing and i was like asking for the ball and a girl just hit me from the side like she just blindsided me Mm -hmm. and i like felt that little that feeling that i felt first time when i tore my acl and i was like oh god like it's gone again I was like freaking out. The trainers from the other team brought me crutches and I was just like, I was just like, not again. And so um, I ended up, we got back, I ended up getting a MRI and I had partially torn my ACL. So I had not torn it all the way. Mm-hmm. So I guess like uh, I was a little relieved, but then I went to the doctor and he was like, so um, I mean, it's a good thing that your ACL isn't gone all the way, but the thing is, like, your ACL could go tomorrow. It could go in a year. Wow. So, like, you never you never know when that thing – you could step off a curve and it could be gone. Like, you right. don't know. And so I had that in the back of my mind, and I was like – I was like, I, I'm, like, scared to play now because, right. like, what if I do something that I do at everyday activities and – it's just gone like right there (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so so it was hard it was tough to hear that but I was trying to push through it I went back to rehab for like three weeks um I did some rehabilitation and some strengthen to stuff to strengthen my knee and um then uh my first practice back I was wearing a brace and uh, we were practicing on our field on Westcott mm-hmm. and we were doing a shooting drill and I received the ball and I shot it and I was fine. And then I went to the other side and I received the ball. As soon I planted to shoot, as soon as I made contact with the ball, I just heard a, and my wow. ACL was gone. It was gone. Wow. So, um, so I ended up tearing ACL uh, when the doctors got um, into my knee for surgery, uh, they found out that my meniscus was partially torn. My lateral meniscus was partially torn. My medial meniscus was torn. Mm. Um, then I had something called a chondral lesion. And so basically that's when your bones like hit each other. And um, I basically scraped a quarter-sized chunk of cartilage off my bone. Ooh. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I had an MCL sprain as well. And so when they went in to fix it, um, 
they took a chunk out of my medial meniscus, they cleaned up my lateral meniscus. For the chondral lesion, they poked holes into my bone so that the blood flow could go through and heal it properly. And then obviously they fixed my ACL and then MCL heals on its own. So um, wow. it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, so quick question, sorry. Was this the same yeah. leg for both or each leg one yeah. time? No, it was the same knee. Okay, same knee, okay. Yeah, so um, it took me a year to come back, a little more than a year to come back. Um, I was on crutches for um, about uh, six weeks and, or no, sorry, I was non-weight bearing for six weeks and I was on crutches for about two months. Wow. So it was, it was tough. It was really hard. <laughs> well, when, as you're going through this um, in your sport, did this um, injury or these injuries, did that ever overflow into other parts of your life? Like, that, Did it ever affect your education because you were like, I don't want to do this? Or did it affect your relationships or anything like that? It definitely affected school. Okay. Um, so with me, how I work is that if I don't see myself progress, then... I lose motivation. Mm -hmm. And so I, because I was non-weight bearing for six weeks, I wasn't able to put my leg down and put, put any weight on my leg. And so when I was doing all that, I was basically doing all my exercises on the table in the, in the training room. And so I pretty much went uh, into depressed mode for a while and it was hard because I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to do school. I was just like, what's the point of me doing these exercises if I'm not progressing, if I'm not getting better? I don't see myself progressing. So like, what's the point? And so with school, I was like, I don't even want to go to class. I don't want to, because I was on crutches and it was just so hard for me because my mom, thank mom thankfully came down to help me. She was with me for a couple of weeks and she was cooking for me because I had my own dorm. I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And so she would uh, cook and help me clean, help me take a shower because I couldn't get my leg wet. I was like in a brace full time on crutches. And so it was just really hard to get around um, to class and I just didn't want to go and then um, my trainers finally convinced me to go see the sports psychologist and um, I eventually talked to her and she I went through a couple sessions where I would just cry the whole time it was just hard to talk about it and so her philosophy was that if you the more you talk about it the more comfortable you get with it Mm -hmm. And so we just talked and talked and talked until finally, like, I didn't cry anymore about it. It was just like a thing of the past. And so eventually I got through it and the doctors told me that I probably wouldn't play soccer again. Mm. And here we are playing soccer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're going to come to that. We're going to come to that. Um, I just had a quick question about your um, degree plan that you chose. So you got yes. your, um, what made you choose to get your bachelor's in sport performance leadership 
and then ultimately get your master's in liberal studies? Um, so the sports performance and leadership is obviously another word for just coaching, basically. Mm -hmm. And so um, I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do um, after college. I knew I wanted to continue to play soccer. But um, after college, I coached, I actually coached for Challenge. I, I was helping out little kids mm -hmm. um, in the academy. And so um, I just kind of always had a passion for coaching, for helping younger kids um, reach their potential and to get better. And just like seeing them pro progress is what makes me happy because I like seeing myself progress. And so if mm -hmm. I see them progress, then it just like makes it even better. Yes. And so um, I think that's why I stuck with it. And eventually we'll talk about how that led to creating my own soccer business. So um, for the master's degree, um, I ended up, I was fortunate enough to do a work study program with Hero in the equipment room. Mm, and oh. so, yeah, so I was fortunate enough to do it with him and it was a lot of fun. Um, I love Hero. Um, he helped me so much and um, I was able to like work events with him, especially I, I think I was, I was just men's soccer with him. So I would just like, I would go help him with the games and I would just like help out with the laundry and everything. So it was a lot of fun to work down there in the equipment room with him. So like, just to see like all the hard work that uh, the equipment managers put in, it's just like amazing. And it just gave me a little bit of, it just opened my eyes a little bit to see like how hard they worked down there for, mm -hmm. for athletes. Got you, that's really good. So we're almost yeah. done here. So now we're to the point uh, after you get hurt, you play one more season. Mm -hmm. um, and then after playing that season, you end up signing your first pro contract. Mm -hmm. So my first question is, how did that opportunity come about? So um, I used to play for a team in Austin. Um, and I played for them uh, this past summer. And he, the manager of the team, his name is Danny, he got me in contact actually with the manager for the team in Israel. Mm -hmm. And so he messaged me and he, he was like, hey, like there's a team in Israel, it's like a professional opportunity. And I was like, I was like, oh, like that's freaking cool. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so he was like, I'll send you the manager's number and everything. So we got in contact. I um, eventually... So this was like literally all in the span of three days. So the first day, Danny had messaged, the manager messaged me. Then the second day I had, I talked to the manager and I talked to the coach. And by the third day, they were like, we want you. We're going to start, uh, we're going to start uh, figuring out your flights, your ticket and everything. And then by the next week I was gone. Wow. Yeah, so, so it no tryout, no nothing, just nope. They saw film. I sent them film mm -hmm. um, from when I played. Yeah, just film. They uh, saw my film, and then that's like pretty much how it all started. <laughs> wow. So you're going to Israel. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Did you have to learn? First of all, did you have to learn a new language? 
no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and so what was it like being in Israel? I don't know how many months slash years you were there. So what was that experience like for you? Um, so I was only there a couple of months because I came back because of COVID. Uh, um, so the experience was crazy. So there were a couple of girls on the team that did speak English. So they were able to like translate for us. The manager actually is from the U.S. So she spoke really good English ah, okay. and also spoke, they speak Hebrew over there. Mm. And so um, the coach also spoke English. Um, she had an accent, but she, she spoke English, thank God. As well. <laughs> and so, um, and so just like the whole experience, like I just never would have thought I would go play in Israel. Like that's just, it's just amazing to me that I got to go over there and play. The experience was amazing. Um, every, all the girls on the team were amazing. It was just one of the, there were two, three other Americans on the team. Um, and one of them, her, her um, family is from Israel. And so they actually came down to visit for a week or two. And I was really um, appreciative because they took us along with them. And so we went to go visit Jerusalem. We went to visit Jerusalem and then we got to to go to the Dead Sea and float in it, which was like an amazing experience. And it was just like, I, I was, I'm just like really grateful that I was able to go and play and go visit that country. Yes, I can only imagine. So what was the um, athletic experience like in terms of competition and how was it like to be a, like you're a pro, professional athlete. So, uh -huh. What were the expectations? Was it different from college? Um, so the team, I'm just going to be honest, the team wasn't very good. Okay. <laughs> just, just because they were, they were at the bottom of the bracket. So I think they were bringing, trying to bring in more players so that we could help them move up in the, in the standings. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was just, it just felt like more of a club environment more than a professional environment. So it, it was, it was awesome because it was basically like when you play professionally, like that's your job. All you do is play soccer, you rest, you eat, you sleep and play more soccer. So literally that's like, it's just, that's just like living the life. I'm over there yeah. in a different <laughs> I'm in a different country visiting and visiting different places that I had never would have thought I've, I would be able to go to. And I was just playing soccer. So it was just an amazing experience. And just like the team, all the girls were amazing. And mm -hmm. I, I would probably go back there to visit if I were to, play if I were to go back and play I would like to play for a better team <laughs> <laughs> but um, overall the, yeah overall the experience was great the expectations of the girls there are a couple girls that were very young and so it, it's hard for me to um say that that was like more like there were more expectations 
than uh, college because I think college was compared to that team was tougher. Gotcha. And and so yeah, so but overall the experience was great. I just I hope I'm hoping that I can maybe be signed by another team in January. So fingers crossed. Yes, we'll definitely be hoping for that too. The same for you here on the podcast. Yes, um, thank you. Yes. So the last piece is that you've mentioned it a little a few times throughout the um, the podcast, but. Mm-hmm. You have just recently started a business. So when did you start the business and what made you ultimately start the business? Um, My parents gave me the idea to start a private soccer business uh, just because I, we had seen, there's a million little soccer businesses around on like social media and there's, you just see like a bunch of different little soccer businesses of people that they have their own place and they do private training with kids and um I just thought like maybe instead of working for club because working for my old club was awesome but it's just hard because like you have to obviously work on their time and just with my own business I can like schedule my sessions when I want and so um I my parents uh gave me the idea and I didn't really I was like eh I'll Uh, I was just like, okay. And so I ended up making business cards and I kind of like left it alone for a bit. I had like a couple girls that I trained and then I ended up going to Israel and then I didn't really like get back to it. Mm -hmm. And so eventually one day I was like, I'm just going to make an Instagram for this page and see for Instagram for VTech and see how it goes. And so Eventually, like I started making videos on iMovie and I really enjoyed like the editing part. And so um, I eventually just, it started growing. And so um, I started posting more and more videos and I've gotten some followers. Mm -hmm. And obviously like a new business is gonna take some time to grow. So, so far, so far I only have six girls. So it's a start. That's a great start. That's a great start. Yeah, so hopefully, I'm sure once I stop playing, um, because it's hard right now because I have to set time for myself to train. Right. And so, and for myself to go to like other practices and stuff. And so um, I feel feel like once I stop playing soccer, then that's when I can solely focus on the business and then make it grow more. For sure. And so right now, do you currently just service the Houston area or the Kingwood area? Uh, so I do Kingwood, Atascacita, the Woodland, um, and Humble. So I have a couple, a couple in the Woodlands, and then I have a couple on mostly a couple here in Kingwood, and then a couple in Atascacita. So we're getting around three different places. So oh, that's great! I just want the people on the podcast then in the area for them to Uh go and uh, check you out, so you can help them uh, with yeah. no yeah thank you (laughs) oh for sure um so last piece um that we're going to Mm -hmm. talk about at the end of every podcast i ask Mm -hmm. um all of our student athletes who come on to say can you give me three to five and it can be as many as you want pieces of advice for those middle school and high school student athletes um, that will help them in their journey to getting to where you've had the opportunity to go in your life and be a college and 
professional student, uh, professional athlete? Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing I'd say is don't give up on your dream. Um, if you want it bad enough and you know that you can make it, don't give up on it. Um, work hard, work your butt off yes. <laughs> because it's, it's, if you slack one bit, then you might not make it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say a uh, second thing is, um, take advice. Second thing is, um, listen to, um, I would say listen to your not elders, but listen to older um relatives that have like experience with all this stuff because obviously if say like your parents obviously sometimes you don't want to listen to them but they actually have had more experience than you and they can give you some really good advice if you listen to them yes um uh thirdly i would say um or third (laughs) i would say that um I would say stay positive. Um, I think that's the main thing that's helped me get through um, everything that I've gone through to injuries, to school, to waiting around since I'm in this period where like I haven't found another pro team to play for. It's, it's hard to stay positive and it's hard to keep that, that motivation, that mentality to keep working for what you want. Um, and um, lastly, uh, I would say that if you want to play at the le- next level, then you got to work hard for it because there's so many other, whether you're a boy or you're a girl, there's so many other kids in this world that want the same thing you do. There's so many kids around the world, whether you're a boy or a girl, that want to do, that have the same goal that you do. So only the ones that go out and practice on their own that want to get better that don't just show up to practice and just like oh god like another practice you show up to get better show up to improve go out by yourself and practice bring a friend because i've heard the saying that um um what is it (laughs) the saying that um (laughs) that uh practice when no one's watching that saying that that uh i've heard coaches say that you get better individually when you go out and practice by yourself because Mm -hmm. that's that's the motivation that you have for yourself and the desire to to continue to play so those are probably my four things that i would recommend yes those are four powerful things um, and Vanessa, your story is great. It's definitely inspiring, going to help so many student athletes. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and for all those out there, as she said, work hard and you'll make your dreams come true. All right. Thank you. Yeah. See y'all next week. Thank you.